Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. The title of the sermon today is The Lord's Work Comes First. Well, maybe you haven't been to church in a while. And maybe you're saying, what is Acts? What's going on in Acts? What scripture are you about to preach? Well, Acts is the study right after Jesus um, ascended back into heaven. You know, he came, he lived 32 years, he was crucified, he rose on the third day, and then he spent 40 years after he rose from, I mean, 40 days, sorry, after he rose from the dead, walking around, making himself known to people. He was seen by 500 plus people brethren who saw him walking after the death. They saw him, and then he ascended back into heaven, and he gave his disciples this great commission to go out and preach and to teach. And the the book of Acts is exactly what that is. It's a study right after um, Jesus has ascended back into heaven of how the early church, the new Christian church was established. Because the old church, you know, you had to keep these um, laws. It was Jews were the only people that were allowed to be saved. But now there's a New Testament church where Gentiles have the opportunity to be saved. And that is what we see and that is what we are doing in the book of Acts. So it's, it's critical that we study that, right? Because there were so many people being converted. There was so much change going on. It was a great time for the Christian church. And it's relevant to us in this room because unless you're Jewish, you're a Gentile. This is our church. This is where he extended salvation to us. So that said, as you can imagine, as Paul, one of the great early leaders, he's the main protagonist in the book of Acts, he goes about preaching the word. You can imagine that he runs into some conflict. He runs into some conflict. As he goes about preaching this word, that salvation is no longer just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles as well. And he's going to these Jewish synagogues and he's going exactly against what they've always been told. And he's preaching it faithfully. So you can imagine that there's conflict in that. You know, conflict is inevitable. We're all going to have to deal with conflict. So when I ask you this morning, how do you handle it? How do you handle conflict? You know, a lot of it depends on who you have conflict with, right? My boss is in here. If If I have a conflict with him, I'm almost at the subjugation of his will in a certain sense. And, or I have people that work for me in this room, and I, I have to be a just God. It's calling me to be just and fair and merciful to these people. But in the end, you know, when you're in a conflict with somebody, it really depends on who you're in conflict with, how you react to that conflict. Sometimes we, we, it's our go-to. We just seek to dominate, and we're always right, and we try to overcome things. But like I said, it depends on who you're in conflict with. But what we're going to see in our text today is two equals, two equals this morning between Paul and Barnabas, two great early church leaders who were friends. This passage that we're going to look at today exposes the conflict between two of the early church's greatest leaders. Both men have shown great spiritual maturity in the past. They've known each other for a really long time. They've they've done the things faithfully together, and they're just going to have a conflict. So that makes it a little bit different when you have somebody that's your equal, who feels equally passionate about something as you do. Both these men, like I said, they had worked together for a number of years. They've shown great humility and respect to one another. And both men are passionate about their cause. So at this time, if you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. You're fishing to see the conflict between Barnabas and Paul. 
And it says, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Stop right there for a second. So as I already preached in Acts 13, and as we've been going on, they're going throughout the Roman Empire and they're establishing these New Testament churches and they're, they're, they're establishing, they're changing these things. And now Paul goes to Barnabas and he says, hey, let's go check on them. I want to go see how they're doing. You know, we started these churches up. We've preached this new gospel. Let's go check on them. So keep reading. He says, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had already withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement. So that they separated from each other, Barnabas took Mark and him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. It's not hard to see what the conflict is over this morning. You have four men standing there, picturing it like this. You have Paul, you have Barnabas, you have John Mark, and you have Silas. Paul has suggested, let's go back and check on these churches. Let's see how they're doing. And what's not written here is John Mark. So John Mark, earlier in Acts, before things got hard, before they went out through Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and they started establishing these churches through the Roman Empire, John Mark left them. He wasn't there with them establishing these churches in the, in the start where they were preaching this new gospel after Jesus ascended and they went to modern-day Turkey and they're preaching and they're starting these new churches. Before, when they were on the way, John Mark left. He hadn't saw Paul get beaten and flogged and drug out of every city for preaching the gospel. Paul don't want him to go. He doesn't want John Mark to go and I really can't blame him because before things got hard, he left. So now you want to bring him with us? You're going to bring him back with us to go check on these churches now? And that's where the disagreement arises, as you can see. And Barnabas, he wants to give him a second chance. You can see him arguing back with Paul. Paul, if anybody deserves a second chance, it's him. Look at you. You used to kill Christians until God converted you. You got a second chance. Why can't we give John Mark a second chance? So that's where the disagreement arises, and you can just see him talking about it, and you just see John Mark standing there like, am I going, am I not going? You know, he, he probably feels like a failure, because the truth is, he did leave when things got hard. So that tells us right here that this conflict, verse 39, tells us that it became a sharp disagreement. So who's right? Who's right, Paul or Barnabas? The truth is, they're both right. Both the opinions of Paul and Barnabas are valid and truthful. There's, no, there's nothing to make up here. Those are the facts of the story. The man did leave. Does he deserve a second chance or not? So the conflict arises, and we see the reason for this conflict and the disputes that we're looking at in this lesson is people have different backgrounds, different values. From time to time, we're going to have conflicts with people I'm not talking about conflicts over scriptural truth. We can't disagree on that. But there are some times where we're going to disagree on how to handle certain things. And I want to, go, I want to look at this lesson to see how do we move past that. Just looking at this room, I think about where all you people are from. South Florida is such a rich area for that. I'm from rural Alabama, a farm town. Some of you are from Austria. Some of you are from Haiti. All of us are from, most of us are from a different state. You know, we were raised in a different state. So I would love for all of us to come and agree on everything, right? 
It's so different. So how do we move past that? First, I want to look at what we shouldn't do and what we don't see in this text. Number one, we shouldn't run around telling others. That is our go-to thing to do. We run around and we tell others and we get people involved in our conflicts and it's such a problem. You don't see them going back to the churches that they established earlier and saying, look at Barnabas. Look at Barnabas. He wants to give this guy a second chance who's a quitter. We don't see Paul going back to these churches and letting the church sort it out for them. Why do we do that? In our marriage, when we have a conflict, why do we go to somebody else and try to get them to agree with us? You know what my wife did? <laughs> you know what my husband did? We bring people into our lives when we have conflicts and we let them sort it out. We have to stop doing that. We have to stop telling others and bringing everyone else into our conflict. You don't see that here. You don't see them dragging the name of the church through the mud at the sake of who's right and who's wrong. All these men understood that the Lord's mission took precedence over everything else. The second thing that we shouldn't do, and this is my go-to, is give people the cold shoulder. <laughs> How many people, when they get mad, they give, their, they give somebody the cold shoulder? They just stop talking. Text them back, okay? <laughs> we just text them back. You know, we give them the cold shoulder. We're not going to talk to them because we're mad at them. That's not a Christian. How does a Christian function like that? Or even worse than that, we lash out. Who's been on 95 and lashed out? <laughs> Tell the truth. Who's been on 95 and lashed out at the traffic? If we could hear some of the conversations that we've had on I-95, they would know that we need Jesus this morning. Amen? Amen? We have to stop acting that way. We have to stop giving people the cold shoulder and lashing out. And you don't see that here because those reactions are not acceptable and they're not found in the scriptures to be righteous. Another thing that we shouldn't do, that we are so good at doing, is complain. We are a bunch of complaining people. If we can't have our way, man, we're going to complain. We're going to complain and plan many times. We just complain about the situation if we can't have it our way. We do tell everybody what's happened, misrepresent people, and just complain. Um, one of my colleagues at work told me just how much we complain. How many times per day do you think the average person complains? Duke University study said between 28 and 30 times per day we complain. That's, that's crazy. We just walk around complaining about our problems instead of handling our conflicts. So this is what you should not do, and you don't see this in this text. You don't see these men having this sharp disagreement, taking it back to these early churches and telling everybody in the church about what the other one did. You don't see them in this big argument getting into it. It says that it came into a sharp disagreement, and then what did they do? Paul took Silas. Barnabas, he took John Mark. The churches that they had already established, they split them in half, and they kept the mission moving first. They kept the mission going forward. So now that I told you what all of us know that we're guilty of, which is involving other people in our conflicts, giving people the cold shoulder and lashing out, or complaining, I'll tell you how to get past your conflicts this morning. The first thing that, I want, that we need to do is we have to try to work it out. We have to try to work it out. And one of the hardest things about that is we have to realize that we might be wrong. My wife, she's never wrong. <laughs> but we have to realize that we might be wrong. We like to think that our opinion's always right and knowledge about a, a someone or some situation is always correct. But that attitude prevents us from ever finding common ground and attempting to move on. And when we try to work it out, one thing that we do more than anything else is 
we just quit. We live in a society of quitters that every time something gets hard, we just quit. Your marriage gets hard, we quit. We just quit. We go find another marriage. Our church said something that we don't like, we just quit and we go find another church. Whenever something gets hard, we just quit. We have to stop quitting. We have to try to work it out. We have to. That's how we get past these conflicts. That's how, and the bad thing is we quit right when God wants to bless us the most. The saddest part, like I say, is we often leave just before the solution that God has prepared for us can present itself. We just quit. Now that said, sometimes you try everything to work it out and you just can't. You can't see eye to eye with that person. I'm not talking about scriptural differences. I'm talking about opinions. Some things we're just going to have to overlook. Sometimes you're gonna have to overlook it and realize that, hey, you don't know everything. Everyone's not standing in your shoes. Some things we're just gonna have to overlook. We must realize that we're not gonna see eye to eye on everything. And many times the reason for that conflict is we're not considering it from the other side of, of, the, of the person's argument. I'm not, you're not putting yourself in my shoes. I'm not putting your, myself in your shoes. And these are some pretty diverse shoes in this room, which, which makes preaching in South Florida kind of interesting. So sometimes you're gonna have to overlook things. When you try to work it out and you've done everything you can to work it out and you can't, sometimes you gotta overlook it. And when you overlook it, you gotta move forward. We must realize that we're not gonna be able to change people's minds. I wish that I could change everybody in this room's mind. I'd be the best preacher in the world. I? <laughs> if I could just tell you I was 100% right, but I can't do that. I can tell you the truth of the, of the gospels, but I can't change your mind. We gotta realize that sometimes we're just not gonna be able to change people's mind, and we don't need to dwell on that. We need to move forward. We need to move forward. Some of you are holding on to grudges in your life that's preventing people from ever seeing Christ because they sure ain't seen them in you. We got to move forward. I love, I love that. I want to look at these three men. As I said, we have to make sure that the Lord's work comes first. All these men knew that. Every one of them handled it a different way. But think about it from Barnabas's perspective. Let's look at how Barnabas handled it. He could have said, well, you know what, Paul, you're right. He did quit on us. Let's just leave him. It wasn't what God laid on his heart. He, could have, he was prone to give some people a second chance. And even though he couldn't agree with Paul, he said, look, man, we're not, gonna, we're not just going to quit. We're going to talk this out. And, and the idea that it became a sharp disagreement shows you that it was an ongoing discussion. It wasn't just like, he's going, he's not going. All right, we're splitting. No, they talked about it. They tried to work it out. It became a sharp disagreement, but they never stopped putting the Lord's mission first. They said, I can't agree with you. I believe he deserves a second chance. He's my, he was kin to him. He was his cousin or nephew. He said, look, I want to take him with me. And he kept the mission moving forward. Second, look at how Paul handled it. Paul was holding a grudge, right? Paul was upset. Paul said, hey, this man, he didn't see me beaten and left for dead. He hadn't seen the persecution that, I, that I've went through for the sake of the gospel. He left before it even got hard and went back to Jerusalem on a boat. Why do you want to bring this guy with us? Barnabas, I can't agree with you, but I, I know that the Lord's work must come first. Let's split up. I'll take Silas. We'll go back and check on these churches. You take Bar Barnabas, you take John Mark, and you go check on those churches. The Lord's mission was first in all of their lives. And probably my favorite person in this story is John Mark. 
the one who failed. He failed, 100%. He failed. Before it even got hard, when, he, when God gave him a mission to go and preach in, in Asia Minor, he hopped back on the boat and went back to Jerusalem. He failed. He's just standing there, and you know he felt ashamed. As Paul said, we're not taking him because he's a quitter. But he didn't let that discourage him. He stood up, and he took the next opportunity that he had to serve God, and he kept pushing because the mission of Christ was first in his life. And what's not seen in this text is, Later, you'll see that the book of Mark was actually written by John Mark. So God still used him in spite of his failure. Even though he failed, that didn't make him a failure. You're only a failure when you quit. With God, you always got another chance. If you woke up today, you have a chance to know him today. You have a chance to be used by him today. All three of these men, all three of them, the Lord's work came first in their life. Even though they disagreed, even though they failed, they all put God's mission first. Despite the conflict, despite failure, despite everything in their life, they kept pushing the mission first. I want to ask you, do you share a similar passion for Jesus Christ and his mission? I talk pretty fast. I'm going to let that one sit. Do you share a similar passion for Jesus? his mission is the Lord's work first in your life too much we look around at the world and we start talking about the problems of the world the youth are turning away from God this new generation we can't reach them everybody's turning away from God look at South Florida what a just a terrible place to live instead of saying this is the best place to be because people don't know Christ instead of ceasing the opportunities that we have We go back to those other things that I told you not to do and we just complain. We have to stop pointing out the problems and start addressing them. The Lord's work has to come first in our life. Why is that so important this morning? As we're going to close, I want to ask you, what is the most important thing in your life today? Is it your career? Is it money? What's the most important thing in your life? I'll test you this morning, there's nothing more important than knowing Jesus Christ. I'm telling you that this morning. Somebody asked me what kind of church this was. I said, it's that church. The one that takes the Bible and preaches Jesus crucified, risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of God as an intercession for those who will accept him and repent. He's made himself that way. This is what it's all about. I mean, when you walk outside, I don't know, we put our phones down and we walk outside and we look up at the stars. How did those stars get there? In your heart, you know there's a God. What are you doing with that information when you walk out these doors and you look at that beautiful lawn and all that green grass and how God takes care of it and all the things of this world, the beautiful oceans, you know there's a God. This is a church where the Lord's work comes first. This is what life is about. So critical that you understand that because the average lifespan in this room is 78 years. Some of y'all already passed that. (laughs) Some of y'all are getting close to that. Some of you guys don't even know when your next day is going to be. You can't count on that either. So what are you going to do? 100% of you are going to die. You only have a certain amount of time. And I, I didn't make it this way. God made it this way when he wrote it in his book with what he said about himself when he came and he said, I am God. And he came, and in Matthew 28, and Jesus said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
In John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. When he said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, he made himself God. He rose from the dead. He overcame death. And I believe that he's seated at the right hand of God today and he's calling your name. Like I said, 100% of people are going to have to deal with this. All the things in this life that you put on a pedestal, you have to get serious about the God's work and his mission because at the end of the day, all this isn't going to matter. It's when you meet Jesus face to face, he's not going to ask you, did your mom go to church? He's not going to ask you, Anything about what you did with your family, yeah, it's good to have them in church. It's good to have them here and there. It's going to be between you and him. And you're going to have to answer for the things of your life. And the most important burning question is, what did you do with my son? And on that day, you're going to hear two things. And I can't prepare you. I ain't going to be there with you, but I can tell you what they are. Number one, he says, in Matthew 25, 21, he says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. When you receive Christ, when you accept him into your life, when you live for him, live by this law. Accept the New Testament as what it is. It's God in the flesh, Christ crucified. That's what you're going to hear. But everyone else who has a different opinion that they've created and they've made their own gods, they're going to hear something different. He says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's the reality of the situation. I don't get up here for fun. I do enjoy preaching, but I'm here with a mission. This church is here with a mission. All of you have a mission, wherever you work, wherever you live, whoever's in your sphere of influence, to share the gospel of Jesus. He called us to do it. When he, before he ascended back in, he gave us this great commission to go out and to make disciples of every tongue, tribe, and nation. Preaching Jesus is the way. Preaching that, that he rose on the third day. Preaching his son. So I'm going to ask you one more time before, as the band comes up. It's the Lord's work for, first in your life. Is the Lord's work first in your life? If he's not first in your life, guess who removed him? You're as close to God as you want to be this morning. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. If you don't know him, let today be that day. After church, I'll be right at that green tent. I would love to answer any questions that you have. I would love to pray with you. If I don't know the answer, Dr. Steve Thomas knows the answer, okay? We will sort it out together because there's nothing more important at the end of the day than knowing Jesus. Let us pray. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.